Praise the Lord, Bridgeway. Here we are again live in the church in Columbia, Maryland, Bridgeway Community Church. I'm live right now with you, and one day we're going to be all in here together in person in Columbia and in Owens Mills, Reisterstown. Our governor has given the green light, so, so to speak, regarding uh, when we can have in-person services again. We are working on those details, and keep your eyes out on the campus email that comes every week so you can know what's up with us. If you don't get that campus email, just go to the website and ask for it, and it'll come to you. We'll keep you posted in the weeks to come. I'll also make an announcement at Easter, and just know this, that we'll probably open Owens Mills Reisterstown campus first, and then check it out from there as we're working on our renovation schedule here in Columbia. So keep your eyes and ears open and stay in prayer for us with all the right protocols. We'll all be getting back together in due season. So hang in there, okay? Now, before I pray and start the second message of this four-week uh, series called I Hope, today's topic is filling your hope tank. Before I pray and get started, let me just uh, remind you that Easter is coming, and we have a major Easter production that will be broadcast only. It's called Healing, and I want to make sure that you know about that. It's the first Sunday in April. Also, our condolences to Ronald Green, who lost his grandmother over the weekend, his mother, Adrian Robinson, uh, and and. Minister Ronald, along with their family, were all around uh, Naomi Wallace, and we just want you to know that we're praying for you and your family. So when you were singing this morning, uh, Ronald, you turned sorrow to gladness. That's what you do. I know that you truly meant it in your heart. Well, one day we will see all of our loved ones again, but in the meantime and in between time, can I just encourage you to get vaccinated as soon as you have the opportunity to do so? I did it this week, and I got shot number one. Shot number two is coming in a couple of weeks, but let me just encourage you to do that. It's safe. It's effective. Follow my example if you haven't or if you're concerned uh, about it. I'm all good, and I'll pray that you'll be all good as well. Come on, let's pray together and ask God to be with us as we talk about filling your hope tank. Dear Father, we know we need an extra dose of hope over and over again, and we pray that in this message you will deliver that to everyone under the sound of my voice. We pray for, uh, for Minister Ronald, for his family, for Adrian, as well as all those, Lord, who may have lost or are grieving the loss of a loved one. We thank you, God, that you give us hope even in the midst of the difficult situations we go through. So we commit today's sermon to you now, and every single person that's looking at me right now, God, would you give them an extra dose of your hope? In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, do you remember what I said hope stands for last week? Hope stands for holy optimism based on positive expectations. Holy optimism based on positive expectations. And just like your car needs fuel, so does your spirit need hope. Your hope tank must be filled continually. And in a world where our hope is being pulled on and challenged and summoned day in and day out, God gives us an endless supply of hope. 
And you'll remember that I said last week, when all hope is gone, the God of hope is not. By the way, let me ask you a question. When you need fuel for your car, where do you go? The gas station. Easy answer, right? But follow me down this simple road for a moment. When you need gas, you don't go to a fast food restaurant, right? You don't go to Chick-fil-A and say, can I get a gallon of gas? They say, eat more chicken. That would be absurd, wouldn't it? If you need gas in your car, you don't go to the bank to get filled up, right? You, you exchange money there, but that would be ridiculous. If you want gas for your car, you don't go to the drugstore. That would be laughable to go through the CVS drive-thru and say, can I get some gas? Maybe the only drive-thru that you could go through might be Starbucks because their coffee is so strong. Sure, take this Sumatra, pour it in your tank. Maybe your car will run. <laughs> but the reality is it makes no sense. It's laughable to think about getting gas for the car at a bank or, or at a drugstore. And just that same way, when we go to get our hope, many people go to the wrong place to get their hope tank filled. And this is why some are probably still downcast. They go to food, no luck. They go to money to get hope, no luck. They go to drugs, no luck. They go to alcohol, no luck. Some even go to sex, no luck. Porn and immoral living won't give you the hope that you are longing for. And some go from one relationship to another relationship and still, guess what? No luck. So where do you go to get hope? One place, one answer, one filling station, Jesus. The answer is simple yet significant. Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our only hope. Where sex and money and drugs and food, what it cannot do for us, Jesus can do. Jesus can fill up your hope tank with an eternal, lasting, and fulfilling, meaningful life that has you looking toward the future knowing that everything is going to be okay. But this hope that we get, it comes from the one who wants us to experience it day in and day out. So then why don't we go to Jesus to fill our hope tank? I believe it's one answer, a lack of faith, a lack of faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is the substance of things what? Hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Or maybe in the New International Version, uh, faith is being sure of what you what? Hope for. Certain of what you cannot see. In other words, faith is, is leaning on God, but you have to have faith in something. There has to be something or someone to hope in. And it takes faith to have hope, but you have to have something or someone to hope in and hope for. Jesus is that hope. This hope that Jesus gives and continually gives us has the power to fight your spiritual battles, has the power to fortify your internal constitution. It has the power to fill your heart with eternal encouragement. 
These are three things that the Jesus kind of hope has the power to do for you and the power to give you. First, hope that comes from Jesus has the power to fight your battles. You said, power to fight my battles. How does hope help me fight my battles? Well, understand that hope is your secret sauce when you're in the middle of a spiritual battle. As long as you have hope, you still have fight in you. That's why you want to demoralize the enemy in order to defeat the enemy. When somebody wants to defeat you, they first demoralize you. Because if you have no hope left, you have no fight left. And so one of the things that a Jesus hope does is it empowers us to fight the spiritual battles that come our way. You've heard of the armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6, and maybe you've never picked this up before, but in verse 17, it actually talks about not only putting on the full armor of God, but it's that fifth piece of armor I want you to think about. Do you know what the fifth piece of armor is? This is what it says. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The helmet of salvation. In other words, when we think about the helmet, it covers our mind, and it says that the helmet is the helmet of salvation. Well, where else could we find using the helmet as a piece of spiritual armor? And how does it connect to the topic of hope? We find it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8. So we see again that the helmet is being used in spiritual battle, but I want you to notice what 1 Thessalonians 5, 8 says and how hope is connected. Listen to verses 8 and 9. 1 Thessalonians 5, 8 and 9 say this. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate, check it out, and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Remember the spiritual armor in Ephesians 6, the helmet of salvation? Now we see it again in 1 Thessalonians 5, and it mentions hope. Let me read it again. Let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Verse 9, for God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. The helmet of salvation, the hope of salvation. Hope gives you the power to fight your spiritual battle. So let me just make it clear. The only way to have true hope is through the salvation of Jesus Christ. It says in verse 9, for God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. The helmet of hope is the helmet of salvation it allows us to fight the spiritual battles that come our way, but specifically, we have to be saved. Salvation is rescuing you from an impending death where you would spend eternity in hell, separated from God because of the sin in your life, sin in my life, the sin of us human beings leads us straight to hell. But because God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, and whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And when you hold on to that salvation, it rescues you from eternal death. Salvation in Jesus is not just about rescuing you from death, but it's also giving you the hope of eternal life. Listen, if Jesus would have just had mercy on me to save me from hell, that'd be enough. 
but he also guarantees heaven. And that's where the hope comes from. Not just the salvation of what I don't get, but the coming future glorification of what I do get. And when I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, Colossians 1.27 says, it's Christ in me, the hope of glory. There is a hope that I have that not only am I saved from hell, but I'm guaranteed heaven. And that gives me the power to fight a spiritual battle against the enemy who's continually telling me I have no hope. Trying to get hope elsewhere is like trying to get gas from Chick-fil-A. There's only one station to truly find hope. And that hope comes from Jesus' hope station. Jesus is your hope station. So when you feel down, turn to Jesus. When you feel defeated, turn to Jesus. When the devil is trying to get you to turn to everything else and everyone else, turn to Jesus. As somebody just say, turn to Jesus. Whether you're in your bed, whether you're in your car, whether you're in your home, just say, turn to Jesus. Type it in the chat. Turn to Jesus. Remind your spirit that no matter what you're turning toward, if it's not Jesus, then it won't bring you hope. But if you turn to Jesus, he will give you the hope that you have been well hoping for. Jesus is our filling station. Jesus is our fuel for life. Let me make it clearer, and no offense meant, but Muhammad can't give you the eternal hope that you desire. Buddha can't give you the hope of eternal salvation. Confucius will only leave you more confused. The New Age movement and philosophy, universalism, astrology, not as a science but as a religion, will have you staring at the stars and missing the very God who created them. Putting your trust in horoscopes will ultimately leave you horrified. Jesus is your helmet of salvation. And friends, it all begins with salvation in Jesus Christ. So can I ask you right at the beginning of the message, Have you placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ to rescue you from hell and to guarantee you heaven based on a relationship he invites you to have with him because he died on the cross, rose again from the dead, and invites you to have a relationship with him? He says, I'll forgive you for all your sins, and I'll put on the helmet of salvation, which is hope eternal, and then you can have that holy optimism based on positive expectations. Well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pause right now before I move to the other two things that, that, that hope will, will give you the power to do and ask you, if you've not received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, why not? Why not do it right now? Bow with me for a word of prayer and ask Christ into your life. Just say, dear Jesus, I want the hope of salvation. I want you. Please forgive me for my sins. I'm so sorry I've been separated from you because of my own sins. And I ask you to come into my life. Please forgive me. And by faith, I accept you to be my Lord and Savior. Right now, just right now, just say, Jesus, by faith, I invite you to be my Lord and Savior. You pray for somebody who's praying right now. You just say, Lord, put it on their heart right now to just say, Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, come into my life. Turn to Jesus right now. Say, Jesus, I turn to you. 
And I accept you and receive you as Lord and Savior. Amen. If you prayed that prayer to receive Christ, let somebody know. Say, I prayed to receive Jesus. The Bible says you've just crossed over from, from death to life. You have a new hope of salvation inside of you. And at the end of today's sermon, they'll tell you how you can text and get more information if you want to grow in your faith. And you need to grow in your faith. And you will. But this hope that Jesus gives us doesn't only help us fight the spiritual battles, but it fortifies our internal constitution. That's the second thing it does. Not only does it, does it give us the hope of eternal salvation, but it solidifies our internal constitution, meaning that it strengthens our inner man. It strengthens our inner woman. Have you heard of a paywall? Has anybody ever sent you uh, a, a link to read an article, maybe in the Washington Post, New York Times, or something else, and you click on it, and you're ready to read it, but then all of a sudden, this screen comes up and says, Beep. in order to read the article, you have to subscribe. You have to, you have to pay, and then you can continue with the article. Well, in a sense, hope is our internal paywall. Once something tries to penetrate your spirit that's negative, you need your hope wall to immediately pop up and say, nope, you can't get past this barrier of hope. I can't let this nonsense and this negativity end in my life. You see, in order to get past the hope wall that comes up in my internal constitution, you're going to have to pay. You're going to have to subscribe. And what's the price? The price is the scriptures. In other words, unless it's filtered and squares with the word of God, it can't get through. You're not going to allow anything, any nonsense or negativity to come into your internal spirit because your hope wall comes up because hope has the ability to fortify your inner man, to fortify your inner woman. And the word of God becomes the screen through which everything must be filtered if it's going to get into my soul, if it's going to get into my spirit. Some of you need your hope wall back. You're letting foolishness into your spirit. And it's ruining your soul. It's ruining your attitude. It's eating away at your heart. It's damaging the very soul of faith that's resident within you. Hope has the power to fight our spiritual battles. And secondly, to fortify our internal constitution. Finally, thirdly, hope has the power. This hope that comes from Jesus to fill your heart with eternal encouragement. This hope that Jesus gives us has the power to, to fill our hearts with eternal encouragement. Now, you remember the passage that I read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. It talked about the helmet of salvation. I'm going to read it again, but then I'm going to keep moving to the next couple verses and see how all this connects together. Reading it again, it says, but since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. That salvation is our future hope. The wrath that it's talking about is the day when Jesus comes back and judges the entire earth. But we as believers were not appointed to suffer wrath or to go through, uh, some would say, the tribulation that's going to hit the world terribly. 
But then you keep going at verses 10 and 11. It says, he died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, awake meaning alive on the earth, asleep meaning dead, we may live together with him. Therefore, there's that, that, that word that says now, based on everything I said, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. Based on all of that, based on the fact that you were not appointed to suffer, that you will not go through the judgment day and you will not go through the wrath that God's going to bring on the earth for you have been saved from that and will be saved from that. Therefore, Thessalonians, I want you to encourage one another with these words. The, the, the Thessalonians believe that they missed the rapture. The Thessalonian church believed because of heresies and other teachings that didn't go through the, the word of God as a hope wall began to think that, oh my gosh, we've been left behind. And so Paul is writing to them to say, no, 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 not only have you not been left behind, I want you to encourage one another to remind each other that you've not been appointed to suffer wrath. You don't lose your salvation. You haven't been so bad that God says, I'm going to take your salvation back. If you've been covered by the blood of the lamb, then you are saved and sealed and will be sanctified and glorified to the glory of God. Christ in you, the hope of glory, Colossians 1:27. So encourage one another with these words. The ultimate encouragement is that Christ is coming back to receive us. No matter what it is you're going through, it will be worth it all when we get to heaven. That's why we must encourage each other with the hope of Christ's return. We've got to remind one another that this world is not all there is. When the life of George Floyd was being choked out of him with the few breaths that he had left, he cried out for his mother. Even as he was dying, he cried out this grown man for his mom who was already in heaven. There was something as he was close to death that he knew, and that was this, mama, I'm going to see you again. And when you get to heaven, you will see loved ones again, too, that you miss. I miss my father, and it's been over 30 years. But when I get to heaven, I'm going to see him again. I'm going to see my buddy Chris Doherty, who I haven't seen in several years, died way too young. And his widow, Andrea, and daughter, Alex, you're going to see him again. Do you have any loved ones in heaven that, you're, that you really want to see? See, the ultimate attraction of heaven is not seeing my family and my friends. Yes, I do want to see them. And, Daddy, I can't wait to see you. Yes, and maybe you have some folk that you, you, you want to see. No doubt about it. But let me tell you, the ultimate attraction of heaven is the one who saved my family and my friends. The one who saved you the day when you prayed that prayer. The one who saved you the day that you gave your life over to the Lord. Maybe when you were a little child, or maybe when you were adult in your 20s, or maybe in your 70s or 80s. 
Or maybe in the van when you prayed with your father on the eastern shore close to his 90s and, and, and you saw the drama at Bridgeway Community Church where somebody came back and said, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me about Jesus Christ? Now I'm, I'm living separate from you. Yes, that was a drama, but that impacted you, Naven, who's on our elders' council of women. So she went and talked to her father in hospice and he gave his life to the Lord in his 90s. And before he gave up the ghost, he received the Holy Spirit. While it may be painful, you're going to see him again. Ronald, you're going to see your grandmother again. Adrian, you're going to see your mother again. But the ultimate attraction of heaven is not all of them that we love, but the one who loved us so much that he saved them and he saves us. And that's why I said it last week and I say it again today. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Jesus says, I go away to prepare a place for you. That where I am, you may be also. He goes on to say that I'm going to come back and I'm going to get you. And that is, that is the hope that we hold on to, that Jesus is actually going to come back and get us. Do you know that young girls, when they used to get married back in the days of the Bible times, back in the days of the Bible times, a, a, a girl would marry, a young girl would marry a guy who was maybe 10, sometimes 15 years older. You know why that was? Because before a father would give his, his young daughter over to a man to take her into holy matrimony, he had to make sure he had his business straight. He had to make sure he had his tent ready. He had to make sure that everything was prepared before he came back to get her. I know in our culture, you know, you usually marry people that are around the same age. I mean, my wife and I were 12 days apart. I was born on May 1st. She was born on May 13th. So she's, you know, still behind me by 12 days. And I remind her every year to respect your elders. <laughs> but the reality is usually the guy may have been 5, 10, 15 years older. He'd have to pay a dowry. He'd have to prepare his tent. He'd have to make sure that he was able to take care of her. And what a picture that is of Jesus who says, listen, I'm going away to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. It's a beautiful picture of the bridegroom coming to get his bride. But don't come yet, honey. Let me go prepare this place for you. And what I have built in seven days when I created the heavens and the earth will not even compare to what I've been working on for 2,000 years. You just wait. Absence from the body means presence with the Lord because once you are present with the Lord, you're going to see a heaven and an earth that you've never seen before. And so I say to you, in the name of Jesus, receive Christ as Lord and Savior because what he does is he, he's preparing a place for you and he's preparing a place for me. And this is why the Thessalonians were so broken up because they thought they had missed the rapture. You see, in the previous chapter in 1 Thessalonians 4, it says this. Let me read verses 13 through 18. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep, people who have died, or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. 
We believe that Jesus died and rose again so that we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep. Let me say it again. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring Jesus with those who have fallen asleep in him. In other words, Jesus is not coming back alone. He's coming with those who have fallen asleep. That's all the Old Testament saints. Verse 15, according to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, that's you and me, who are left till the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. Verse 16, for the Lord will come with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Those who have preceded us in death, while they may be with the Lord in spirit now, they will rise from the dead and be, be caught up in the air. Listen to what it says in verse 16. For the Lord will be, for the Lord will come with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive, that's you and me today, and are left, will be caught up. That's the word rapture, enraptured. You heard of the rapture? They thought that they had missed it. No, you're still in life. The Lord's going to come back again. He's been preparing a place for you. After that, verse 17, we who are still alive and left will be caught up together with them. Not just with Jesus but with every believer who has gone in death, he's gonna come back with a great cloud of witnesses and with them to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. We'll be caught up in the air. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Ruth, Esther, Noah, my dad, your grandma. And it says, therefore, verse 18, encourage each other with these words. Hope encourages us. Hope reminds us. Hope fills our hearts with eternal encouragement. Friends, we need to remind each other that this world isn't all there is. Whether COVID, whether racism, whether poverty, whether hatred, whether broken hearts, broken homes, betrayal, guilt, shame, loss, miscarriages, family disputes, bills, Thank God that this world is not all that there is. We need to remind one another that Christ is coming back and he promises to take us home. In Revelation 21, he says, we're gonna build a new heaven and a new earth. I'm preparing it for you. But can I just tell you, every day will be Sunday. There will be no more dying, no more crying, no more sadness, no more sorrow. There will be no more death. I will be with you. You will be with me. We will have a holy wedding. 
and forevermore. You will never have to worry about sin. You will never have to worry about temptation. You'll never have to worry about brokenness. And friends, this is what hope does for us. Hope fights our spiritual battles, gives us the power to fortify our internal constitution and fills our hearts with eternal encouragement that we will see Jesus again. We will see our loved ones again. And I'm here to tell you that no matter, no matter what you're going through, this present suffering will not even compare to the future hope that will be revealed in you. And my prayer is that this sermon somehow is filling your hope tank to overflowing by the power of the Holy Ghost. And so I pray this prayer over you from Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen.